You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, well, let's pray and let's get into the Word tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for uh, this opportunity that we have to gather around your word. Father, I thank you for each and every one of these precious people, Lord, that have taken the time to join us tonight to study your word. And so, Father, we come with hungry hearts. We come anticipating what you have for us tonight. Father, we give you permission to minister to us by the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is our teacher And we open our hearts and minds to receive revelation knowledge from him tonight. And Father, I thank you and I praise you that as we do, it'll cause our lives to be changed. And Father, as we have been talking about in this series, we will purpose in our hearts to not just be hearers only, but doers of what your word says to us. And Father, we thank you for it. We believe we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's look at Matthew chapter 7, and we'll begin there in verse 24, and this is week number three in talking about overcoming the storms of life, overcoming the storms of life. We've been talking about how the storms, uh, they come to everybody. Jesus tells us this, and or he implies it basically by what he's teaching, but he uh, in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24, I'm going to read Uh, 24 through 27, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to go over to Luke's gospel and read from Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, where this is Luke's version of the same message that Jesus was giving. And Luke wrote this, he said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and it could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And and Luke adds this, and the ruin of that house was great. So the one thing that we see is that Jesus is telling us it's not if the storms come, it's when the storms come. So storms come to each and every one of us, and we experience those things. But the thing that's going to get us through the storm and overcoming the storm is not just hearing the word, but hearing the word and then doing 
what the word says. Again, when you hear the word and you do it, Jesus likened it to building your house on a rock foundation versus hearing the word and not doing it. You're building your house on a foundation of sand and it will not stand. Matter of fact, he said it will fall and great will be the fall of that. And so again, we Jesus teaches us that storms of life come to everybody. You know, even good people, people that are, you know, try to do the right things and live good lives and even believers, you know, people that are walking with the Lord. And, and uh, you know, again, I know I've said this before, but again, I never want to imply that living the life of faith in God's word exempts us from the storms of life. No, they come to each and every one of us. But what faith in God's word does is gives us a way to overcome the storm, make it through the storm, and come out on the other side victorious. Now, we've talked about some different things that we can do. And, and again, the implication from what Jesus is sharing with us in, these, in this message is that there are things that we can do to storm-proof our lives, to keep our lives from being destroyed when a storm arises. And uh, we've talked about a lot of those things already in the previous two lessons, but I want to just change direction, directions just a little bit. So go over with me to Luke chapter 8, and uh, we're going to look at Luke 8, and then verses 4 through 8. And you probably know this as the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 4, but I specifically want to read Luke's take on it because he uses uh, a couple of different words that are important to what we're going to talk about tonight. So Luke chapter 8 and verse 4, it says this, And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. Verse 5, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, <clears throat> Excuse me, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, and he said, or he said with a loud voice, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So again, you know, I've often said everybody standing around Jesus hearing that sermon had these things on the side of their heads, but what he's really saying is listen with the ears of your heart. Listen to what he's trying to tell you. So you might be familiar with the story. A little later on, the disciples pulled Jesus aside and they said, hey, uh, master, teach us, show us what you were trying to convey by that parable. And, uh, Jesus, and, and I'm dropping down to verse 11 there in Luke chapter 8, and Jesus says this, now the parable is this, so here's the explanation, the seed is the word of God. So we always need to refer and understand that the word of God is like a seed. It is a literal seed that gets planted in our hearts, verse 12 those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You know, I've often said it's been, it, it amazes me as a pastor how I can preach 
to a, you know a, a number of people. Everybody hears the same message, but uh, there are some that just are never able to do anything with the word that they have heard. And the reason being is because the devil was able to come and extract that word from their life and, and take it from them. And so uh, in Mark chapter four, it says that he comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, again, you need to make note that he is going to come. So when you hear the word on something, you know, whether it's healing or God's provision or whatever the case might be, you can count on the devil is going to try and come against you to get that word out of your heart. Because here's his goal. He does not want the word to bear fruit. He doesn't want it to be able to produce in your life. And so as we uh, we go on, we see that, again, uh, verse 13, but the ones on the rock, now these are the ones that heard the word on rocky soil, their heart is rocky soil. When they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, and who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, now, and that word temptation means test, trial. Uh, it actually means adversity. Uh, they fall away. So let's examine that one. He said that the ones that the, where the seed of the word is sown on rocky soil, uh, the, the people have rocky soil in their hearts. In other words, there's something there that keeps the word from being able to uh, grow in, and become deeply rooted in their hearts. And so what happens is when pressure comes, and again, just like the, the first person, the pressure comes to try and get the word out of their hearts. But Jesus said they hang in there for a little while, but when the pressure arises, they eventually fall away. Then verse 14 says, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, I want to just go back to what Jesus said in the first part when he gave the actual illustration. In verse 7, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it. So what that tells me is, is that in this person's heart, there were seeds of the cares of this world, the riches of this life, and the pleasures of this life already sown in their hearts, and they came up, they began to grow up at the same time that the seed of the word began to grow up. But notice what happened, that those things came in and choked the seed of God's word. It choked uh, the plant that was beginning to grow from God's word and, again, kept it from being able to uh, produce in their life. So, again, he said that these are those that fell among thorns, that when they heard the word, they go out, they're excited about what they hear, they 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 tell the pastor on the way out, man, that was a good message today, and so forth and so on, but then after the pressure comes, they don't hang in there with it, and the cares of those things begin to arise in their lives, and it chokes the word and keeps the word from being able to produce. And then verse 15 he says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, and here's the phrase I want us to focus in on for a little while, keep it and bear fruit with 
patience. So there's two aspects here to allowing the Word of God to produce in your life. The first one is keeping it. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. Uh, to keep the Word, Jesus said, that's necessary. And, and if you look it up, the word keep means to hold it, to possess it, uh, to take possession of it, to take hold of it. Uh, one, one definition that I saw means to procure for oneself. So part of keeping the Word of God, when you hear the Word and it gets down in your heart, you must make the decision that you are going to lay hold of it for yourself, that I am going to grab what the Word is saying, I'm going to take possession of it, and I am going to refuse to let that go. Um, just make note of, of verse 15 in the Message Bible <clears throat> says this, but the seed in the good earth, these are that are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. I like that. You know, it's one thing to hear the word, get excited about it, and you know, you you stay with it for a couple of days, but again, the Things of this life arise, and it chokes out the seed of the Word, and it's never able to produce. What the Message Bible says is that they're, the ones that are on good ground that produce fruit are the ones who hear the Word and seize it for themselves and hold on to it no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. So get this, do not let go of the Word of God in your life until there's a harvest that that Word is designed to produce. So, for instance, if we're receiving and hearing the Word concerning healing in our bodies, lay hold of that Word, grab a hold of it, and hang on to it no matter what, and sticking with it until there's a harvest of healing in your life. Now, you know, I think this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Word of God is designed to produce in our lives. So whatever that portion of the Word is talking about, it is able to produce that harvest in our lives. It is able to produce that fruit. So uh, if I can say it this way, it's never the seed's fault if the plant does not produce. It's the ground's fault. It's our fault. It's the heart uh, that the seed is sown into. We are the ones that are responsible to nurture, to hold to, to keep hold of the word so that it can produce a harvest and produce the fruit in our lives. The Passion Translation of that same verse, Luke 8, 15, says this, the seed that fell into good, fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. So the passion says this, you got to cling to the word. You've got to hold on to it and I like what it says about keeping it dear. You know, the, the book of Proverbs often used this phrase. It would say, treasure wisdom or treasure the word in your heart. 
if something is of value to you, you will lay hold of that thing and protect it. You'll guard it. You'll make sure that it's in safekeeping. And, and you're going to look after that thing to make sure that it's not extracted from your life, that it's not taken from you. And that's the attitude that we have to have where the word of God is concerned. It's got to become so valuable to us that we refuse to let anything take it from us. Um, and we refuse to get away from it until it produces in our lives what it is designed to produce. Let me give you some other verses if you want to just write these down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, prove or test all things and hold fast to that which is good. I like the phrase, hold fast, hold on to it. In, in the Passion, it says that uh, we examine those things and afterward hold tightly to what is proven to be right. So again, we hold tightly to it. Hebrews 10.23 tells us to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's Hebrews 10.23. In the Amplified Bible, it says this, let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope that is within us. So as I was studying this, I really sensed the Lord wanting me to, to not only deal with my own heart, but to convey to you all the importance of laying hold of the Word of God, seizing it, guarding it, protecting it, and refusing to let it go, and, and protecting it from the enemy who wants to take that out of your heart, but also guarding it and protecting it so that it can produce in our lives. I think there are too many times when we as believers, we hear the word of God and either we don't protect it, we don't guard it carefully like we should, or, or maybe we don't stick with it until it's able to produce in our lives what God wants it to produce. And, and, and it's extracted, it's taken from us, and we're not able to see the benefits of what God wants his word to produce. You know, Isaiah 55, God said this, he said, my word will not return to me void. In other words, it is impossible for the word of God to fail and not come to pass. So if we can get the word into our hearts and we can hold fast to it and let it grow and let it mature, and let it produce fruit in our lives, it will produce what God is desiring to produce in our lives. Now, if in going back to Luke chapter 8 and verse 15, it, there's another word that he used. He said, Jesus said, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, I want to talk about this word patience for just a few minutes. And, uh, you know, patience uh, does not mean this, tolerate, okay? If you look up in the dictionary, the patience does not mean tolerate. Patience means this, endurance, to endure. It, it means the, the, it is the fact or power of enduring uh, unpleasant situations or difficult situations 
without giving up, without giving way to that unpleasant situation. Uh, you know, it does, we're talking about the storms of life. Patience doesn't mean just hang on by the hair of your chinny chin chin like the three little pigs uh, until the storm is over. Know that patience is remaining constant, remaining consistent throughout the storm. Uh, I heard one definition long time ago said that patience means to be consistently constant. In other words, when the storm comes, you remain the same all the way throughout the storm. Now, again, the only way that that can happen is if you prepare in advance. Now, I, and I said this in previous lessons in this series, I said this, the best time to prepare for a storm is not when the storm is blowing. The best time to prepare for a storm is before the storm ever shows up. Now, the good news is Jesus gave us a heads up. He said the storms are going to come. So here's what we can do when everything is good, when life is good and problems are at a minimum, we can prepare for the more difficult situations. We can uh, plan in advance how we are going to respond based on the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. We can plan based on those things, how we are going to respond when the storm shows up. So again, Jesus said, hold fast to the word. And then he said, bear fruit with patience. So apparently remaining constant or remaining consistent is necessary for fruit to be produced in our lives. So could it be that a lot of times you and I miss out on fruit being produced by the word of God in our lives because we're not consistent, we're not patient, okay? So, and I'll say this to you, patience is not an emotional thing. Patience is a spiritual thing. It is a, a spiritual force that will produce fruit from the word of God, and it will enable you to be a doer of the word. So we need to learn some things about patience and what the Bible has to say about it. Okay. So go over with me to Luke chapter 21. You're there in Luke eight, go over with me a few pages over to Luke chapter 21. And I want to show you something. So remember, patience is remaining constant. Patience is being consistent. So Luke 21 verse 19 Jesus said this, by your patience, possess your souls. Now, somebody tell me, what, what is the soul of man? The mind, the will, and the emotions. The mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay, so in, in particularly in the epistles later on in the New Testament, when, you know, Paul uh, talks about and teaches about patience, he's already talking about believers so this is something that believers have to develop. And so I believe in this particular phrase, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers. So he said, by your patience, possess your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, listen, your spirit has already been dealt with because you gave your heart to Christ. So your spirit is already born again, but your soul, so you need to deal with your soul 
So the, the key to dealing with your soul, according to what Jesus said, is through patience. Now, I looked under uh, what that means in the Greek language, to possess your soul. And here's what it means in the Greek language. It means have your soul under control. So this spiritual force that we have available to us called patience will keep your mind, your will, and your emotions under control to where your, your emotions don't run away from you. And listen, emotions are good and they're right in the right context, but God's will is never for us to be controlled by them. And what patience does in remaining consistent, it helps you keep your emotions under control. It helps you keep your mind under control and it will help your will come in line with what the Word of God says. Go over with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Pardon me. Colossians chapter 1, and let's read verse 11. Colossians 1, 11. This is a prayer that Paul is praying for the Christians at the church at Colossae, and he's He's praying for them, and in Colossians 1.11, I'm going to read the New King James, and then I want to read the Amplified Bible. The New King James says this, I pray that you be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. So Paul prayed that they would be strengthened with all might, so through the power of God, according to his glorious power, for all patience, consistency, and long-suffering with joy. The Amplified Bible says this, we pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance, and forbearance with joy. Now, if you would, just write the word in your notes beside that reference, joy, because we're going to talk about joy in just a few moments. But notice, Paul prayed that they would be strengthened and that they would endure and have consistency. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, just make note of that reference. Um, no, I tell you what, let's go over there and look at it, because there's, there's something I want you to see in your own Bible. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Um, verse 11, Hebrews chapter 6. I'll read verses 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And, and I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And it says this, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Now, that goes hand in hand with what we read over there that Jesus said in Luke chapter 8 about holding fast to the word. So we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. What end? The end of your faith. Until you receive the promise that you're holding to. That hope is an expectation. Okay? Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through, notice this, faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, I've heard ministers use this 
for those of you who are old enough to remember this cartoon, there was a cartoon that used to be on when I was a kid called the Wonder Twins. And uh, I've heard ministers use this as an illustration. And the Wonder Twins are faith and patience. And if we will activate both of those, we will be able to receive the promises that God makes in his word. Let me read this verse 12 to you from the uh, New Living Translation. It says this, then you will not become spiritually dull. So those who are, remember he said, show the same diligence. He said, if you'll do that, then you'll not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. Or can we say, through their faith and their consistency, their constancy, remaining constant in the face of whatever challenges or things that they might be experiencing, okay, so they remain consistent. So if you want to write this down in your notes, say this, the way to inherit the promises is through faith and consistency, faith and consistency. I think a lot of times we fail to receive what God promises us in the word of God. We might have faith arise in our hearts, but we're not constant. We're not consistent with it. Somebody might say, well, well, pastor, how long do I have to remain consistent until you obtain the promise? So if the promise is healing, you stay with it in faith until healing manifests. If you're needing God's provision, then you stay with it in faith until the manifestation or the provision shows up, okay? So the, the Passion Translation says this, don't allow your hearts to grow dull, and I like this, or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. You know, if you go through and you read... Uh, the people in the in, in the Bible that received the promises of God, you know, whether it's Abraham or or others that we know received from the Lord, it, it's it's because of their faith, but it's also because of their patience, their consistency. And then, and then I'll say this to you: none none of these people, with the exception of Jesus, that we read about in the Bible, were perfect. They all had shortcomings. They all had failures. And they all made mistakes. However, in their faith, they remained consistent and were constant and were able to receive the promise of God. Now, you're there in Hebrews. Go over a few pages with me to James chapter 1, please. James chapter 1. And I want to read verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4, rather. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And James gives us uh, some more insight into this, kind of a different take. James said this, my brethren, so he's talking to believers here. He's talking to Christians. My brethren, count it all joy. See, there's that word joy again. Make a mental note of that. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. He said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or when temptations, tests, or trials show up. He said, count it all joy. Now, I want, I want to say this. Joy and happiness are two different things. 
He did not say, get happy when, when adversity shows up. Get happy when the storms show up. All right? No, he said, count it all joy. Now, if you know anything about joy, it will affect your happiness. But joy is a spiritual thing. Happiness is an emotional thing. Now, if you'll let it, joy will affect your emotions, and you can get happy when you shouldn't be happy. All right? But I, I, I want, to, want to make sure that I clarify that he's not saying, uh, you know, fake it and be happy when adversity shows up. Somebody asks you what's going on in your life, you know, you put on a fake smile and fake your way through it. All right. And that's not what I, that's not what James is saying. And nor is that what I'm saying. So anyway, he says, my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now knowing this, so knowing what James, knowing that the testing of your faith produces consistency or patience. All right. So when adversity shows up, it gives us an opportunity to produce or work this thing called patience or consistency. And then he goes on to say in verse four, but let patience have its perfect work or let consistency do what it's supposed to do that you may be perfect. So, all right, let's, let's backtrack and I'll, I want to build this. So, here we are, we're believers, adversity shows up in our lives. James tells us, count it all joy. Now, I'll tell you how to do that in a minute, but he says this, know this, knowing that the, the trying of your faith, the pressure against your faith works or produces patience or consistency, and when that happens, let consistency have it do its job. Let it run its course. Let it have its perfect work, it says. that. And here's what the result will be, that you may be perfect and complete, perfect and complete, meaning the same thing, lacking nothing. So let me ask you a question. If Let's say we make the decision to stand on the Word of God. We find some promises in the Word regarding a situation we may be facing. And we make the decision, you know what? I believe what God's word says, okay? So you make a decision. I am going to stand on what God's word says. Now, when the pressure comes, we already read where the devil is going to come to try and get that word out of your heart. And the way he's going to do that is to bring pressure in your life, to bring trials, to bring adversity into your life, to get that word out of your heart. But no, you make the decision I'm going to stand on what the Word says. Now, you have an opportunity to put something to work called patience. In other words, to remain consistent in that situation. Now, let's say hypothetical, hypothetically, I make the decision to do that, but somewhere along the line, the pressure becomes too great, and I give up and I quit. In other words, I, I, I let go of my faith. I let go of the promise of God and, and, and I get discouraged and I, and I just, I don't receive what God's promise is. So would you say, is that, a, a, is it a safe thing to say that you came through that and out of that situation 
lacking something? The answer is yes. What were you lacking? Lacking the answer to what it is you started out standing in faith for. All right? So that being said, what James is telling us is when that pressure comes, if you'll remain consistent and let that consistency run its course and do its job, you will come out on the other side of that adversity complete and lacking nothing. In other words, you will get the answer to your prayer, the answer to the promise, whatever it is that God has declared that is yours. Now, the key is to receive it, to stay in faith, and remain consistent until the answer shows up. All right? Now, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. So back up a few pages and, and look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. And I'm going to read verses 35 and 36. I'm going to read it to you from the New King James, and then I'm going to read verse 36 from the Amplified. The New King James says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Now, that's an old English way of saying this. Don't quit. Don't give up. Exactly. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. So if you won't quit, that has a great reward. For you have need, the, Paul said this, for you have need of endurance. That same word that's translated patience or consistency. You have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, what is the will of God? What is doing the will of God? Standing on the word and doing in, at what you have heard. He said, "For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. All right? So again, we know the, pro the problem, the challenge is not, in, or the failure rather, let me say it that way, is not with the word. If there is a failure in our lives to receive, it's one of those two things. It's in our faith, we cast away our faith somewhere along the line, or we lacked endurance, we lacked consistency. The Amplified Bible says this, for you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away, and I like this, and enjoy to the full what is promised. God wants you to enjoy what he has promised to you. He wants you to be able to walk in that and enjoy it, all right? So the way that we're going to do that is by laying hold of the word in faith, staying with it, being constant, and enduring until the manifestation shows up, until we get the answer, okay? Now, I want to begin this. I don't know if we'll finish it tonight. But I want to begin, and I want to talk to you for a little bit on why people are inconsistent. Why do we become inconsistent? Why do we lack endurance? Why do we lack impatience? Okay? All right, so here's number one. People are inconsistent because of discouragement. People are inconsistent because of discouragement. Let me say it one more time. People are inconsistent because of 
discouragement. Now, if you'll go with me over to the book of Galatians, please. Galatians chapter 6. This is a very familiar verse. I know you, you've heard this, and and uh, but I want to expound on it just a little bit. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Paul said this, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So notice what he said. Uh, let us not grow weary while doing good. So we could say this, that let's not grow weary while we're standing on the word of God or standing in faith. Now, what's interesting is the Greek word for weary means this, to run out of courage. Now, mm -hmm. we call that in our language, discouragement, discourage, okay? But the, to grow weary standing is to get discouraged, okay? So discouragement, if you want to write this down, discouragement is a product of disappointment or frustrated expectation. Discouragement is a product of disappointment or frustrated expectation. Um, you know, you don't have to respond, but just, hype, uh, you know, just, uh, I think this has probably happened to all of us. Okay. Uh, you find out a promise from the word of God, something that God has provided for you that Jesus has bought and paid for. And you start out, you get excited about it. You start out believing the word and, uh, somewhere along the line, you get discouraged and you kind of quit in your faith because it does not happen as fast as you thought it would or it should. Okay. I know that's happened to me. Or maybe you got discouraged because it didn't happen in the way you thought it would or should. In other words, you know, whatever the promise was, God did not perform it in the way that you thought he would perform it. And so what happens is that produces something in us called frustrated expectation. Let me, let me say it to you this way. I expected God to do that by this time, or I expected God to do that this way, and it didn't happen that way, and my expectation got frustrated. And so what happened is when my expectation gets frustrated, I get disappointed. Okay, so let, me, let me use it in, an, in another example. We get disappointed with each other, with people. When, when people do something, we did not expect them to do. In other words, uh, you're, you're having a discussion with somebody and you say something and they respond in a way that you didn't expect them to respond and it causes you to be disappointed. Why? Because you had an expectation of, of the way it was going to come out, and it didn't come out that way, and so you got disappointed because of that. And see, we do the same thing with God and in His Word. You know, when it doesn't come to pass, when we think it ought to come to pass, or it doesn't come to pass the way we 
thought it should come to pass. It, we, we're frustrated, that expectation, because I expected it to happen this way, all right? I expected it to happen by this time. And so what happens is when that when we experience that frustrated expectation, we get discouraged, and it produces this thing that Paul used, weariness. It causes us to get weary. Well, guess what happens when you get weary? You quit. You want to give up. You want to relax. Matter of fact, the Message Bible of that verse in Galatians 6, 9 says this, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. I can't emphasize to, to us all, myself included, how important it is not to give up and quit. God is faithful. And as, as we've already talked about tonight, his word will come to pass. Our responsibility is to make sure that we stay consistent and don't get frustrated in our expectation. In other words, that's why, you know, uh, Hebrews tells us, don't let go of your hope. Hope is an expectation. So yeah, it might uh, it might be past time that I need that to come to pass, okay? But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let go of that expectation. So discouragement is a product of disappointment. Now, here's where disappointment comes from, okay? Listen to me carefully. I, I, I'm going somewhere with this. Disappointment comes from a negative past experience. Okay. Disappointment comes from a negative past experience. You have never been disappointed by something that has not happened yet. Okay. Why? Because it's still an expectation. So where we get disappointed is when negative past experience happens or, you know, something didn't work out like we hoped that it would. All right. So what is the answer for disappointment? All right. So let me, let me say this, you know, let's say there's somebody I'm disappointed in, you know, because their, uh, their behavior frustrated an expectation. I expected more out of that person. I expected them to do differently. Okay. And so because that expectation got frustrated, you know, I'm discouraged. All right. Well, here's what you have to do. The answer to discouragement or disappointment is this very simple. Let go of the past. Be willing to let go of the past. And when you do that, you pull the rug out from underneath that disappointment. Okay. Now I'm not saying we, we do stupid stuff. We don't put a sign on our back that says, kick me again. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about though, is like, let's say with God, you know, that, all right, let's say I started out in faith and for some reason I didn't receive what it was that I thought I was standing in faith for. Well, here's what I have to do. I have a choice. I can either hang on to that past experience and that frustration and continue to let it disappoint me 
and then grow weary and I will quit and I will give up. I might be a Christian, I might be born again, but I am not going to believe God for anything else. All right? I'll just live my life and I'll go to heaven when the time comes. All right? So what is the answer to that? Well, that might have been my past experience before, but okay, that is not going to be my experience this time. In other words, I'm going to let go of that and I'm going to trust that, okay, God never fails. He's faithful to his word. His word will come to pass. So if there was a problem, then it must have been on the receiving end, okay, my end, my responsibility. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let go of that past experience and I'm going to start afresh and I'm going to go at it with God and I'm going to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you to reveal to me where the shortfall was, where the, the disconnect was so that I can fix that and correct that. But Lord, we're going to go at this again. We're going to, I'm, I'm going to trust you to dust me off, pick me up, and we're going to go at this faith thing again. And, and, and so what happens is I choose to let go of that past experience and I choose to move forward, looking forward. Matter of fact, write the scripture down, Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through 14. You can read it late, later on your own, at your leisure. But Paul said this, he said, I'm going to let go of those things which are behind and I'm going to press forward to those things which are before. You know, I think a lot of times, and this affects a lot of different areas of our lives. I think a lot of our problems in relationships and our walk with the Lord and, and in a lot of different areas is because we choose not to let go of past experience. We don't let want to let go of the past. We want to hang on to the past. And again, I'm not saying you, you, you know, I'm not making, saying make yourself susceptible to abuse again. I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is be willing to wipe the slate clean in your heart and start afresh and anew and go at this faith thing again and say, okay, God, we're going to do this again. I'm going to release my faith for my healing. And I believe that I will see the manifestation of my healing. All right. And you just pick up and you keep going again. So the answer to discouragement is going to be to forget the past. All right. Now I'm going to cover one more. And this one might not be your favorite, but we need to talk about it anyway. All right. So here's another reason people are inconsistent. And the Bible, believe it or not, talks a lot about this. And listen, I want to say this, put a disclaimer out there. I'm not teaching this to you and I don't practice this on my own and endeavor to live this out myself. Okay. So here's number two. People are inconsistent because we get lazy. People are inconsistent because we get lazy. Now, I'm going to use myself as, as an example, all right? Now, and I'm just going to be very real when I say this. If there has ever been an inconsistency with me going to the gym, it's because I've been lazy. I mean, let's just be real, Okay. It, you know, I talk myself out of it or I justify staying home or whatever the case is. If there is a, you know, and that's just 
a little area, but what I'm saying is the same thing is true spiritually. If we get inconsistent spiritually, it's because one of the reasons is because we get lazy, okay? Now, I want to refer you back to that verse we read just a little bit ago in Hebrews chapter 6, okay, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read it to you out of the New International Version, and it says this, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. So what, what you're expecting that you realize and receive what it is that you're expecting. Verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So what this verse tells me is that sometimes we don't inherit what is promised because we get lazy, okay? Listen, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that there are going to be times when you are not going to feel like doing what is spiritually right for your life. You're going to want to do some other things, okay? And it's just because you live in a flesh body, you know, we're in the process of renewing our minds and so forth. But here's the thing. You're going to have to overcome laziness so that you can become more consistent. You know, listen, I understand things come up in our schedules. And uh, and listen, Jesus doesn't fall off the throne if you don't read your Bible for a day. But I will say this, don't allow laziness to be a reason to keep you out of the word or to keep you from spending some time in prayer. Don't let laziness affect you. Hebrews 6.12 in the, the uh, Message Bible says this, don't drag your feet, be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Now, write this verse uh, reference down and I'll read it to you because we're running out of time. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4 says this, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. All right, so, and Proverbs is it's predominantly talking about in the natural, okay? And so, you know, I think we've all probably encountered lazy people. I know there's no lazy people on this Bible study tonight, but I know we've all worked with or been around some lazy people. And, you know, lazy people have a tendency to talk about all the stuff that they want in life. You know, I want a big house. I want this and I want that. Okay. And they talk about it a lot, but they you, you find out that they don't ever receive much or are or, or able to obtain much in their lives. Uh, but he says, but those who work hard will prosper. Now, here's something, and I'm going to say this. We're almost done. There are many people who are diligent, hardworking, um, focused people and not lazy in the natural. But where spiritually things or spiritual things are concerned, they are lazy and what the Bible calls slothful. You know what a sloth is? Okay, it's one of those animals that lives in the jungle that moves very slow. You ever seen that little animal? You know, it kind of looks like a monkey and hangs around in the trees. 
but they move very slow. I mean, it's just almost like watching paint dry, watching one of those animals move around. Well, so what it is, is we work hard in the natural. I mean, I know people that are exceptionally hardworking people in the natural. Man, they work hard on their jobs. They're good on their jobs, et cetera. But then when it comes to spiritual things, they're completely the opposite. They're they're lazy and they, they're slothful. So, you know, you, you I'll say this and then uh, we'll wind up for tonight, okay? You're going to have to prioritize spiritual things in your life in order to remain consistent. It's not going to happen accidentally. It's going to happen because you make some decisions to prioritize those things in your life. So the answer to uh, being lazy and inconsistent is making the decision to be diligent in spiritual things. And it's a decision that you have to make because those things don't come automatically. I wish it was. I wish, you know, every morning I woke up and there were three or four angels standing around the foot of my bed holding my Bible saying, here, you want to read your Bible now? Here, let's spend some time in prayer. And there was one of them playing a harp and it just all this beautiful <laughs> music and everything going on and the atmosphere was perfect and my phone didn't ring. I had no emails. And, I mean, it just everything was absolutely glorious. But but I, I'll, I'll let you in a little secret. In 43 years of being a Christian, 45 years of being a Christian, I have never experienced that. If there were times when I got up and read the Bible and prayed, it's because I made the decision to do it and mm -hmm. didn't let laziness talk me out of it. All right. Now, I can tell y'all are just so thrilled about number two in particular. <laughs> okay. But we're going to stop right there for tonight while I'm out of time and then we'll pick up here next week. But uh, this is a huge key for us in overcoming the storms of life. Part of the preparation is us making the decision ahead of time uh, that when the pressure comes, I'm going to remain constant. I am going to remain consistent. I don't, it, it, I don't care how bad I'm going to feel like quitting. I, I don't care how bad I, I'm going to feel like giving up. And I don't mean turning your back on Jesus. What I'm talking about is letting go of your faith. That that I don't I don't care how much the pressure arises, I will not back down from the promise of God and what God has said belongs to me. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.